A new movie titled Nefarious deals with demonic possession from a Christian perspective. So on today's show, we are going to be discussing the new movie as well as different questions that we've received at their ministry regarding demons, fallen angels, demonic possession, and so forth. The Good Fight Radio Show. So to discuss this very important topic with me is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Uh, we better get to it, man. I've seen all the questions that came in, and then you told me, oh, there were like 22. We can only cover, what, six or seven of them. Plus, we got to talk about nefarious. So I'm not going to say much, but I'm just going to, at this point, but I want to get into it because it's an important topic, bro. It's the world that we fight against constantly as believers. No, amen. And the thing is, Joe, and this is why we're doing a review on this, is because we do want to talk about it. We want to talk about, hey, there was a movie put out. This is supposed to be from a Christian perspective. It's from the same guys who put out uh, films like God's Not Dead 1, God's Not Dead 2. I guess it's not God's Not Dead 1, but God's Not Dead, God's Not Dead 2. I think one's called Do You Still Believe or something along those lines as well. And these guys put that film out. And then a lot of people are seeing this. And if you were just walking up to a movie theater and saw the title and saw the picture, you probably would have no idea if it was a Christian film or not yeah. uh, in terms of what you're going into before watching the film. And I have to say, before you even told me, hey, I checked this movie out, you should check it out too, we were already getting people writing messages into the ministry. Can you guys review this? I don't know what to think. So I think maybe we can, what we can do on this show, I know we're going to be live here, so we're going to be seeing you guys also uh, maybe ask some questions as well on here. And we'll try to get through those as well if we can. But, Joe, when it comes to this, we want to give you the points that we thought, hey, this was really good. Some things we were a little eerie on. And then some things where we're like, ah, that's a real problem for us. Yeah. So we want to do that, Joe. But I guess we can kind of set the stage. And by the way, spoiler alert, there will be spoilers. We're telling you what happens in the movie. It is a review of the movie. But we have to try to give that out because people can get and really if you're mad. like, man, hey, I don't want to hear the, just tune out for 25 minutes, come back. Then we get into the questions on demonism and, and stuff. And worst case, you guys could always watch this tomorrow if you're like, I don't want to be spoiled because we'll put some time codes in there uh, and we'll we'll make sure that you guys can go, oh, I can click here and not be spoiled, all right? So with all of that, Joe, let's, let's tell them a little bit about what Nefarious is, what the movie was about, and kind of what our feelings were overall one to another. Yeah, it's some real mixed feelings, uh, some really strong feelings like, man, this at first, wow, this man, because... I was told, you know, you know, the brother Rob, we love brother Rob from uh, Fresno. He lives a few hours away, but he yeah. comes in. He visits last Sunday, brought his wife, great couple. And I actually had a meal with him after fellowship and it was a great time. But he said, Joe, I want, why don't you check this out? I think you're really, going to really like the message. And it was a powerful message and it was incredibly powerful. Uh, and <laughs> well, yeah, spoiler alert, but there were some real problems too that I, that I think Chad and I both had. And I don't usually go to movie theaters very rarely, actually. And I thought, man... I'll go check this out, and uh, it'll cause your hair to stand in, on end. It's, it's, I don't know if you call it, it's somewhere between thriller and horror, you know, and I don't like horror movies, but since it was showing from a Christian perspective, and it was showing how a demon-possessed man who's going to, he's facing, he's on death row, he's facing the electric chair, and uh, it starts with a guy who is his psychiatrist, and he basically is in his office, and, you know, he's not in the prison, obviously, at that point, and he straightens out this, this crooked uh, it, it's pretty ominous the way it even starts. He he just kind of ends up, there's supernatural activity in his office. Then he commits suicide, 
And then all of a sudden there's another psychiatrist that is basically seeing if this um, this serial killer is, is rational or not and he can face execution or whether he should write him up to whether there's some kind of appeal as to whether he should have faced execution because he's insane. And he basically, working with this demonic realm, it's not really the serial killer. He's presented almost as somewhat innocent, which is kind of a little problem too. But it's this demon that's been doing all these murders through him, which is very much a reality at times, uh, who is basically orchestrating all this demonic activity to move the new psychiatrist in who he can manipulate. And I don't want to... Uh, and it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. And I'm going to stop there so you can hear Chad and I go back and forth on this because I'm going to give you that's part of the, how the plot kind of starts. Yeah, and uh, as Joe mentioned, the you know the crooked frame and and everything that was going. He straightens on. a picture that's crooked. Then when he leaves, the picture goes crooked again. You realize, oop, there's demonic. Yeah, and then he somewhere. goes and ends his own life after yeah. that. And that whole scenario makes it so this psychiatrist is now the new one. And you kind of get the feeling, and you get the feeling you you find out over the course of the film that it seems like this demon has been plotting this out yeah. for the psychiatrist since he was a young child, actually. Right. And it looks like uh, he has all these records of him. But, Joe, one of the things that bothered me, and I'm sure probably could bother you the most, and I don't want to give this Are we going to get the bothersome the stuff right away? Yeah, I guess we... Uh, you know what? I, I won't get too bothersome, but Let, it's let's just say the opening some of the, the pauses first, yeah. which, not that the positive That's negatives, fine. you look at them and say, oh, it's actually a good movie. You have to discern that in your, by yourself. Because, to me, some of the negatives are incredibly strong negatives. But the positives are incredibly strong positives, so it's like no, that's a good point, and and I don't want to I don't want to bury it too bad right uh, right at the beginning. But one thing I think we could agree, yeah. we both tripped out. If you because I was in a movie theater, which I said I don't go to them very often, and there's non-believers there, I'm sure you know because yeah. like you said, Chad Nefarious, and when I was first going to check out the movie, he told me that I had no idea it was a Christian movie. Then I then I saw that it was like negative, it was you know on, on Rotten Tomatoes right before I went. The critics hated it. But it was 97% of people on the other side, fans or people that watched the movie, I should say, loved it. I was like, that's a lot of times because the, the liberal critics uh, hate truth. So I thought, hmm, let's see what's going on here. And it was kind of like a, and you'll never hear me quote C.S. Lewis in a positive way. And I don't have time to explain that because I had a, a hard times with some, some places it was at. Too deep for this particular show. But it's kind of a C.S. Lewis screw tape letter thing, which wasn't the first screw tape, first C.S. Lewis books I'd read. Uh, but it's way beyond that. I mean, because you're seeing it in movie form where this demon is basically putting out the woke leftist uh, mindset through this serial killer and uh, talking about how, you know, Satan's plan is to destroy belief in God and, and uh, put faith in things that are anti-God. And the way it's laid out is the, the movie was absolutely brilliant, the way yeah. they laid it out. No, I, I, we, I agree with we that. We both can see that. Yeah. We're both like, wow. Because I'm thinking these people that don't know the Lord in here, man, you're gonna get you're getting a lesson, and there's a a lot of truth. Ninety some percent of it was truth. That's the percent that was an error that we struggle with that could dilute the entire truth for some people. Right? It could actually be negative for some people. But I do believe, just like people that watch God is Not Dead and so forth, there are gonna be people that will come away from that movie say, thinking I need Jesus, right? But there could also be people that go away from that go, go away from that movie think that may think I need a Catholic priest which we'll get into in a little bit. Yeah, no, and and that's the thing. One, I, the acting was pretty incredible, I thought, by uh, by the actors that were in the movie. They they really did seem to do a good job. I mean, you did have at one, point, at one moment, uh, specifically in the back and forth, where he is talking about how great everything is. And as you mentioned, he lines up all these things that are great, the diversity and all this stuff, and he just gets leveled by, you know, this demon, like, yeah, it is great, thanks. You know, it's you all our work. Try. 
It's about a, all the wokeism, yeah. And and man, if that was one of the, I I would I would say clear cut. I mean, it showed you how demonic abortion is, and they I that if you ask me, probably the most the biggest encouragement of the film yeah. it would probably be how strongly they came out against abortion. That was really incredible. I mean, he went back yeah. to we're talking about the Valley of Hinnom and and the drums. Oh yeah. And, and bail worship it was, it was Mullet, amazing. all this stuff. I would actually and this is going to be you know if it wasn't for a couple of the negative things that were there that were kind of that were too much for me I would say that was one of the most incredible movies I'd ever seen in my life from a Christian perspective or any perspective uh, I, I, I thought that I was on riveted. that subject specifically it, yeah, yeah that subject and just other wokeism on abortion I mean I brought a friend with me some of you know Jim Sanford uh, and how did I tell him it was from a Christian perspective. And through most of the movie, he's like looking at me like, like, did he just say that? Like, wow. Like he's tripping out because these people in the movie theater are probably thinking, man, this is, we're all believing this stuff that's from the devil. So in that, in that right chat, it was absolutely amazing, except for a couple bummer things, you know? Yeah, a couple bummer things. And I mean, they even had him quote Aleister Crowley in it. Yeah, do what thou wilt. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law is what is quoted right. by the demon in the film. And so... For a lot of those things, Joe, when when you're seeing those things and some of the perspectives that he gives, and as you said, it did seem somewhat. And I know you didn't. You're not going to go deep into C.S. Lewis. We had people asking, "Wait, what's wrong with C.S. Lewis on here?" You know, some of the ways, obviously, that witchcraft he used witchcraft in uh, some of his writings in a positive light. One, number two, would be some of his views on the atonement. Number three would be he had a Catholic priest reading his last rites. Just as a quick little Very side good note. summation, Chad. <laughs> Just, you want to get a little deeper on it, you don't want to wait whoa, for a whoa. show on it, go and check out Doreen Virtue and my interview with her a few months back yeah, on, on C.S. Lewis amen. as well. It is important that we that we do, and we want to at least give us some, somewhat of a caveat because, yeah. but I, I will say in terms of that, it did have that, you know, screw tape letter-esque kind of idea where we're getting the insights from the demonic in in the sense that, they're telling us everything that actually the Bible actually says. And Which describes. is something no demon would actually say unless he was a really dumb demon, but it doesn't work that way. Yeah, no, So no, it's definitely amen. from a Christian perspective amen. of, hey, amen. we're going to let you know what uh, Satan is doing. Yeah, no, no, amen. <laughs> and so it, it's one of those things, Joe, and, and as you said, it was interesting because of the insights, and it did seem like whoever did the film did their homework. Oh, wow. And and I will say this, and this is just Even in terms the storyline, it was pretty amazing. No, a, amen. And... I will say this. I looked up uh, the writers and, and directors and so forth, and they've done, like you said, God's Not Dead 1, God's Not Dead 2, uh, other movies as well. But they actually did have some horror background early on in their career as well. Mm. And then when I was looking, and one of the things that bothered me, I God's Not Dead, I remember seeing that uh, when it came out. And overall, pretty solid film. Had some great quotes from John Lennox and so forth. And number two... It had some really good guys. They had uh, Jay Warner Wallace on it, and a few yeah. other guys that are that are uh, have some really good apologetics. But then you have you know that that Jesus basically was woke, and you're like, whoa, yeah. why are you guys integrating this stuff? And and Joe, I I think we have, we're about we're at the 15 minute mark, so this will get us into the things that we also disagreed because we didn't want to just lambast without expressing why we actually did think, oh wow. I, I I think you said ninety percent. That's exactly what I said. I think when I came to your house after I said I think about ninety percent of it. I thought I'd wow. say even ninety seven percent. Yeah, pretty you know? high. And wow, that's really good. But Joe, I think we do need to get into the three percent. The the three percent. The fly in the ointment, as mm. it says in Ecclesiastes, because 
Uh, those flies were pretty rough, uh, especially, and I'll start off with the start of the movie. Joe, the first voice, because in the first scene, you don't hear a voice. The first, you don't hear anything. All you see is kind of the movement of the, of the plaque. The guy goes and offs himself and so forth. But the first voice you hear of the film is a radio broadcast by none other than Glenn Beck. And he starts and finishes the film. Yeah, uh, that's a problem. I mean, the storyline was amazing and everything. And the, and the movie was... If, if Glenn Beck doesn't show up at the beginning and then especially at the end, right? And the Roman Catholic exorcist doesn't show up or not really an exorcist as we'll see. Uh, and some would think, oh, well, it's good. They showed he didn't have any power. Oh, that's yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But uh, if it wasn't for those two things, I'm like watching this thing and I was like, man, this is something I could actually encourage people to go see to give you an open your eyes to what's really going on in the spiritual world and how Satan is deceiving because there's so much there that I could I would love to sell it to somebody you could check it out without any caveats without any warnings without any conditions I can't do that now now I have to say wow it's a brilliant movie but there's some flies uh, two or three flies in the ointment <laughs> and one was Glenn Beck and I did an article on Glenn Beck some time ago uh, Glenn Beck is not only a Mormon and, and the Mormons deny that Jesus is the uncreated creator of all things. He's the spirit, one of many spirit children. Uh, and uh, the spirit brother Lucifer is a different Jesus. It's not, Mormonism is not Christian. And what's going on right now, which this to me is the irony, Chad. The irony is we're seeing Satan's ploys. We're seeing his tactics in this movie. Yet one of Satan's tactics is to get us to accept Mormons and Roman Catholics and uh, you know cults and everybody else as though we're all God's children. And I thought the irony is so thick in this because here we are seeing the screw tape letter kind of deal where it's trying to get, make you aware of how Satan works. But right now, is it possible the audience is being played by Satan as well to make us think that Glenn Beck, who is not just, a, he's a Mormon, but he's also, Mormons has its, its roots in Gnosticism and Joseph Smith, who's a false prophet, made false prophecies and so forth, different Jesus. But also, Glenn Beck is a new ager. I did an article some time ago. You could just type in later if you want to get more in depth, but just go to Good Fight Ministries and you'll and you look at you'll see an article on Glenn Beck. But I'll read a couple of quotes I used back then regarding uh, Glenn Beck. Is uh, Glenn Beck? He literally, uh, and this is important. He, he promotes Eastern mysticism. Uh, he pr promotes a form of meditation, biblical meditation. The Bible mentions meditating too, but you're not emptying your mind of uh, uh, you're, you're filling your mind with God's word, you know, and you're not focused inward. You're focused outward on the Lord. Uh, he's Encouraging a Eastern form of mysticism on page 79 uh, of his book and basically the idea that God is in everyone. And uh, this is important. He states this and uh, he promotes Eastern mysticism on page 79 and they'll put the name of this book up on the uh, deal for you. Uh, it's, it's basically uh, the seven wonders that will change your life. Uh, and you can see more details later. But as you commit, they write, he's got a co-author there, uh, to unlocking and bringing forth the truth inside you, don't be afraid to pray for help. Don't be reticent to sit with yourself in silence and meditate. Connect with the miracle of spirit. Then he says this, of God. That sounds good, but listen to what he says. That has lived inside you from long before you were born. <laughs> now, Chad, you're, you're, you're uh, chuckling over there because you know that sounds like Mormonism. The God that was, first of all, he's already inside you, no matter who you are, he says. And he's been with you since you were born. Mormonism teaches the pre-existence uh, that we all pre-existed before coming to earth, which is unbiblical uh, heresy. But Beck also writes, along with his co-author, Ablo, uh, 
that you can basically pick up any God you want. I mean, this isn't even good Mormonism, right? Not that Mormonism is good, but it's not even what they would call good Mormonism. He says, pray to whatever higher power you believe in. Sounds like an AA meeting, right? Praying that God, the God of nature or the cosmos or your own uh, internal immeasurable reservoir of spirit allows you the courage and faith to find and then face the truth. Uh, it's page 132, page 157 of the same book. He says, finding, that, uh, finding what worked for me made all the difference. Finding what works for you will do the same. It's just basically pragmatism. And it shows me that Glenn Beck isn't serious about who Jesus Christ is, about worshiping God in spirit and truth, uh, that he's fine with idols. You can, you know, you can, Jesus could be a Gumby. You can make him in any form pretty much you want. Or he basically says, any God you want, want, want to follow. Well, Satan's a God, God. He's the God of this world. There are kinds of demon gods. In fact, the Bible says all the gods that aren't gods, the gods of the nations are demons. So he's basically pushing a form of demonism. So Chad, that's, that's, that was a huge problem, especially because in the movie, uh, when you get to the end and, and without, you know, and we have withheld some, you know, some interesting things in the movie as far as what he says he's going to pull off, this guy that's, or this demon and so forth, that would really blow it for people who are saying, hey, I, w- I want to really want to check it out for myself. Uh, so I'm not going to say too much there, but I will say this, Glenn Beck is at the end and he's basically the good guy, you know, trying to help this guy, this psychiatrist out in potentially his newfound faith. So he's basically, a, a, it's not that he just shows up in the movie, he plays a very important point in the movie as though he represents truth. When really, in reality, Glenn Beck represents a false form uh, unbiblical ecumenism. No, and and this is the point probably that led me to go from man that was exciting. I really enjoyed it, but when he was sitting across from him, like like you said, they bookended Glenn Beck on this. Yeah, and at the end, and it was in a discussion regarding truth because the psychiatrist then you know puts together this book that is actually against the demon. Okay, and after he goes through all this, almost kills himself, cries out to God but has yet to convert to Christ yet. Yeah. And then when he's there with Glenn Beck, Glenn Beck kind of basically is like a real representative of Christ. And and let me finish this up because he acts as though, and then he goes, oh, you will come to him. And basically, because you're a logical person. So you go where the truth lies. But Glenn Beck has gone- like what he sound like here, right? Glenn Beck has gone to a place where the logic that he has followed makes him believe that some person took special goggles to Egyptian reformed hieroglyphics which don't exist by the which way. don't exist and by the way the the goggles were broken by the angel and then he ended up looking at a rock in a top hat to write out the book of mormon and he believes logically this is coherent when it's absolutely not. Yeah. He believes the logical incoherence that 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, every word of God is theonostos, God breathed, and he would say, yes, the Bible is true when it's translated accurately, but then go forth and believe the things in the Mormon church that contradict every bit of the word of God. So when he's acting as a baskin for truth, and actually he's one who is able to gauge it, to know this person's going to come to the truth when he himself does not possess it. Yeah. It was Amen. really dangerous, but it went hook, line, and sinker with a couple other things, Joe. One of which, when the demon is talking to him about how people begin to possess a person, there's a starting point, and it goes with somebody you've already mentioned, a big problem in the plot, if you're a Christian watching this, and it is the very starting point of someone getting possessed is because they are not 
baptized as infants, yeah. which was interesting. Well, they weren't baptized as infants, so that's immediately the open door for possession according right. to the demon who is supposedly taking the role from a Christian perspective, uh, same as Screwtape, that he's actually giving us true insights and yet, hey, guess what? He wasn't baptized as a baby, which plays right into the fact that a Catholic priest comes in later. Yeah, and I'm so glad you said what you, that's great background, Chad, because a Catholic priest comes in, and then this guy, this when this so it shifts back from this serial killer, the demon speaking most of the time, then it shifts back to the serial killer who is actually almost portrayed as a victim in a way. Uh, although it's kind of interesting because they portray his own wickedness and how this demon got a hold of him. And there's some brilliant things there that actually, there's a lot of truth there. Unfortunately, there's this other fly in the ointment, and that is Catholicism. And if in baptism, as Chad uh, very well articulated, but also when this Catholic priest comes in, this demon who is now, it's, in the, it's the demon using this serial killer, right? The demon freaks out. He sees the Catholic priest. He gets up, and he tries to pull himself away from the table. No, no, you know, kind of like, are you going to torment me before my time? As though the Roman Catholic priest has the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and bears the true authority of God. And, uh, and what it does, it legitimizes Roman Catholic exorcists. And Roman Catholic exorcism, uh, and a lot of movies that deal with possession actually do, which is sad because Satan, that's exactly what Satan wants people to believe, is that, is that you can rely on the Roman Catholic Church to overcome evil when the Roman Catholic Church is filled with the Bible, what the Bible calls the doctrines of demons. Like when you read 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says the Holy Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, some will depart from uh, depart from the faith, giving heat to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And some of those doctrines it goes on to mention are uh, abstaining from certain foods, which the Roman Catholic Church has encouraged through the years, and also uh, abstaining from marriage. They'll teach you know to abstain from marriage, which is what the Roman Catholic leadership is they're demanded to do. If you're going to be a Catholic priest, you can't marry and so forth. So it's very interesting uh, that a, 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 a false, what became a very false church under the doctrines of demons, all these doctrines that uh, where, where Paul warns that even if an angel from heaven says he brings a different gospel than that which we preach you let him be accursed and that different gospel that Paul's concerned about in the context of Galatia as we know is teaching that you must earn your salvation through merit by doing good good works right well the Roman Catholic Church teaches that we not evangelicals who teach that we're saved by grace through faith uh, not of ourselves gift of God not of works that anyone should boast are anathematized we're cursed because we don't believe that we merit in any way our salvation but they believe that you suffer in purgatory that there's good works that you could do that help merit your salvation these are doctrines of demons well the Roman Catholic Church is presented as though they have the authority of Christ but this Catholic priest goes into this whole thing well I'm a liberal I don't even believe this stuff and then all of a sudden the uh, you know the demon possessed guy the demon sits through me and he's comfortable now because this guy is not a real serious Roman Catholic priest and he goes I could work with you then kind of, kind of tries to butter him up and then what you're seeing that's going on there which is quite interesting is that the demon only fears true Roman Catholics well the interesting thing is is that Roman Catholics teach that you use salt you could use holy water it's been blessed the Vatican's especially good you know uh, in fact I read from the Roman Catholic Encyclopedia uh, which I think is, is is very clear holy water the sacramental it's talking about exorcism uh, uh, the sacramental with which the ordinary faithful are most familiar is a mixture of exercised water and exercised salt. And in the prayer of blessing, God is besought to endow these material elements with supernatural power of protecting those who use them with faith against all the attacks of the devil. 
One Catholic site I was on said, blessed water from the Vatican can be used to cleanse your home, uh, can bless yourself, you can use it to bless your family, bless your car, bless your pets. I'm not kidding, folks. You can do the sign of the cross, talk about exorcisms now. A Roman Catholic exorcist says they use sacramentals such as exorcised oil, salt, scapulars, and the Benedictine cross to ward off evil. Guess what? These are doctrines of demons because you know how Satan works? Satan tries to get people to think they can overcome him by things that are not that are separate from the name of Jesus. It's the, the name of Jesus and, and it's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us authority over demonic entities. Not, not uh, relics, not scapulars, not water that's been blessed by some priest. That's, that's actually exactly what Satan would want you to put your faith in because that's, that's a form of idolatry. Our faith must be in the Lord Jesus Christ. We shared recently, I was asked and I shared it. Um, well, I, I, I clarified it. Uh, the name of Jesus, and, and we've been involved in dealing with demon-possessed people at times, and, uh, and I'll show this example because it shows the power of the name of Christ. And I'll share it briefly because I showed it just a while ago, a few messages back or so, maybe a few months, a couple months ago. But I was asked by our worship leader at the time, a guy named Greg, and his brother, who's uh, Steve, who is our, one of our elders, many, many years ago, 25, 30 years ago, if I could go to the valley next to us over the hill and uh, pray uh, or try to exercise a demon out of their sister who was older than them and was all involved in the New Age movement and everything. I got to the house and I just cut to the chase. I got there. I didn't even, I forgot my wife was even there. She told me afterwards, you forgot to say this part, you know? And I go, man. And I walked in, I stood by the door and she's all involved in the occult. All these New Age books would refuse to come out of her room. I was going to go to her room and knock on the door and impose. I was going to stand there and just pray and See, what do you have, Lord? I have no power myself, but give me authority in the name of Jesus. And before you know it, she bolts out her door. She comes running to me, just, just jamming at me. And my, the part I left out, my wife said, you forgot she was doing this thing with her hands like she was talking with her hands. She's talking with her mouth. She's just running at me like this. I mean, fast. And she's running at me, saying my name. And, uh, and it was like the, the spirits were trying to use everything they could to communicate through her. And I just said, in the name of Jesus Christ. And uh, I didn't slap my hands. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ. And I have to admit, I was like, "Woo, man!" I was young, young pastor. I was in the name of Jesus, and man, she's, you know, she just came. Lisa, my wife said she just fell right when you said the name of Jesus, and uh, and she did. (laughs) She fell right before me. Then we uh, cast the demon out in the name of Jesus. Leave her, and we took her to the couch. We prayed for her. She was in her right mind. They called me the next day, and they said that their sister is doing great, and she's in her right mind. The name of Jesus. You don't need all this stuff. We have the Lord Jesus Christ. And what, I, what really I thought about when I saw the movie, I go, man, and I'm glad you brought the infant baptism. There, what in the world is this Catholic thread doing through there and this Mormon thread and this New Age thread going through there when it's about exposing the works of darkness, which it does very well, except for the times when it doesn't. Yeah, so I guess, you know, to summarize uh, here, because we're right at that 30-minute mark, so we're going to start answering a few of the questions that have come in through our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash goodfight. Um, I, I guess I know from my perspective as, as well as you, as well as yours, um, entertainment value, very entertaining, uh, in terms of what, what, uh, I watched the things in there. I thought there was a lot of truth, um, uh, just incredible to me for me. It's not something I su- can suggest to my brother or sister in Christ, man, you got to check this out because I would have to give such a strong caveat on the fact that they bookended it with a Mormon while mixing those two things. And and here's the thing. I saw someone on here already say this as well. The fact is, is that the infant baptism statement already threw me, ah, oh, that was kind of weird. 
And then when they bring in the Catholic priest, it's one thing if that demon, by the way, that had all this knowledge of all this stuff going on around them, knew exactly when someone was committing an abortion, all of these things going on yeah, at a far details. distance, Good point. but yet doesn't know that this guy's not real. Thought that yeah. was weird. Yeah, that was weird. I thought that too. But you look at it, you have that thread with the Mormon thread, and then the fact that this guy all of a sudden is afraid, cries out the same thing that was cried out to Jesus with the demon there, yeah. Legion, at the Gadarenes, and you're like, okay, well, what's going on here that this guy's afraid of him, that he has this presence about him when he's a Catholic priest? It's to that point that I can't say I'm suggesting this yeah. uh, to anyone, and it's not because you realized, oh, you're really not... Uh, you're re you're really this or that. It was not because he realized, oh, he's a Catholic. That's why he's not doesn't have the strength. It was when he realized he was a liberal and didn't really believe in demons exactly. and so forth. So that's a huge thing. As my summary, at least, because we're already past the halfway mark, Joe. So uh, I don't know if you want to summarize. No, I as think well. that's. I think you did well. All right, Joe. Well, then we are going to get into the question and answer portion on here. And Joe, the first question we have is from Danny. Uh, from our Patreon page. And Danny asks, he says, what are the ways that Christians can be impacted by demons? Before I finish the question, that is a question that is coming up a lot right now, Joe, especially with uh, the Greg Locks and Isaiah Saldivar and so forth and some of these guys thinking that demons can be possessed by, um, or Christians can be possessed by demons and they try to use different ways to finagle out how they're saying that but we can get into that more and we will get into that more when we work on our series on the new apostolic reformation but joe and we'll be reviewing uh that film come out in jesus name but but joe i want to finish the question it says what are the ways that christians can be impacted by demons also why do some children see demons at a young age and they're so helpless against the enemy thank you so much well let's take the second part of the question first perhaps chad uh we live in a very fallen world, right? And Satan is giving, given a lot of access. And at times, apparently, very clearly, even in Scripture, he has access to uh, children, you know? And my wife and I went to the San Fernando Valley another time, which is, I wasn't even thinking about bringing this up, but uh, there was a little boy there, and the woman wanted prayer. And I was not even a pastor at the time. I was a young Christian, probably my early, really early 20s. And I went over there with uh, my wife and I had either just been married or were not quite yet married. And we went over there with a gentleman that asked us to go pray for the lady because she had a witch living in her guest house and nocturnal things were happening in the home and stuff and so forth. We went over there, we prayed. And uh, the guy that I was with, I, I knew him from the church I went to. He's in, you know, more in the, kind of the you know, very charismatic or not by today's standards, but by then perhaps. And then at the end we prayed and, and we got in a circle to pray. And there's a little about three or four year old boy there. And he didn't say anything the whole time. He was running around, jumping around going kind of berserk and crazy but you know I was like that when I was a little kid a lot of us were just a lot of energy and then when we got in the circle to pray uh, uh, he put oil on each person to pray which you know isn't really clearly biblical you know but when he put oil on this uh, little boy the little boy said he just looked forward he didn't, say, he, he didn't look at anybody he said my darkness wipes away that oil and and then he blew on each person. And as he's blown on each person, I remember Jesus, when he breathed on the disciples, had received the Holy Spirit. Well, this is a counterfeit thing, obviously, going on, and he's identified with darkness. Uh, as he did this around the circle, I backed up. I said, you're, I'm sorry, your kid's not blowing on me, you know? 
my wife and I left there, man. Uh, and we were, we had like hair stand on end. We're praying, seeking the Lord because it's, it's very chilling when it's a little innocent kid who doesn't have a clue with what he's even saying. And God allows uh, Satan to work in the, the material world. Uh, I believe, truly believing parents sanctify their children. I'm not sure where this woman was at ultimately. I don't want to judge her heart. Uh, but at the same time, I do believe that we and our children are under the uh, uh, attacks of the enemy. We don't wrestle. Christians, it says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rules of the darkness of the world, spiritual weakness, high places. So we have a spiritual war and our kids uh, can be attacked. I know as a Christian parent, now a grandparent, uh, that when my children were young in the house still, uh, if I heard them wake up from a nightmare or in the middle of a nightmare, I would cry out to God and pray and seek him because, and I'd go sometimes in the rooms if it was strong. Or if it, it didn't happen a lot, but there's a few times it happened. And I'd pray with them and cry out to them because children are vulnerable. We do know that. But we have to keep in mind that God is perfect and uh, every good and perfect gift comes down from him. He, he is light in him. There's no darkness. There's no shadow of turning in him. So we can't doubt his plan. Uh, he allows the, this access to children to one degree or another uh, for his own purposes. I know that as a youngster, I opened myself up to the demonic world through occult practices. And God, what Satan meant for evil, God used for good uh, and opened my eyes to know who Jesus was and then come against those forces and wreak havoc on Satan's kingdom as we do at Good Fight Ministry by the grace of God. And the Lord uphold us. It's only by God's strength and, and his power that we have any authority to o- overthrow a lot of what he does or see people delivered, I should say, from the powers of darkness. And so we praise God for that. So what I'm saying is, when Satan is at work in some child's life, when that child reaches the age of accountability, he cries out to the Lord, he could be delivered from the Lord, and that's to, by the Lord uh, from Satan's power, which is exactly what happened to me. So I do believe that God uses it for the good in the lives of those who will turn to him. As far as Satan's wiles, because I know we have to get some other questions, but I want to address that. That was the first part of that question. It's a very good question, because, you know, what, how does he affect believers? And I think it's interesting, because in the book of Ephesians, it says that he works through the children of disobedience to guide the course of this world. So he's definitely using people and uh, he's using things, uh, uh, modes of operation through uh, academia, uh, many of the, the, the woke professors uh, through Hollywood, through the music industry. If you've seen any of our videos, you'll see that. But he uses, uh, Paul says in Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, right? And then verse 11, he says, put on, he says, put on the whole or full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles uh, of, or the methods or the schemes of the devil, Methodius in the Greek, and is speaking of his methods. And he has a lot of methods. And Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12 mentions some of them. I mean, many of them. Uh, he says in verse 9 to the Jews, the Israelites, I should say, that he's bringing the land, and when thou art come to the land which the Lord thy God shall give thee, he says, thou shalt not learn to practice the abominations of those nations, and it shall not be found among you anyone who makes a son or his daughter to go through the fire. That's human sacrifice, right? Or one who does divination, right? That's forms of magic and, and divining truth through tarot cards and the stars and, and, and palmistry and, and so forth. And he says, or an observer of times, that's an astrologer, right? Or an enchanter or a witch. Uh, he says, or a charmer, right? He says, or one that consults us with the spirits, meaning someone, a medium who channels uh, demonic spirits and ent- demonic entities. And then he says also, or wizard, or a necromancer. A necromancer's wizard is like a male witch, and a necromancer is one who uh, contacts, tries to contact the dead. It's really demons impersonating the dead. He says, because of all these abominations, the Lord, the Lord considers all these people, the very next verse, an abomination. Not just what they're doing, abominations, but the person himself becomes abominable to the Lord 
they, they need to be saved. He says, it's because of these abominations that I'm driving them out from before you, right? So uh, he uses all these various things, many different things, the occult practices. But don't think that he's just using people and things to, he actually whispers into our hearts if he can. Because later in Ephesians, Paul says uh, in chapter 4, verse 27, you know, he says not to let the devil get a foothold, right? Be, be, in that verse 27 through 30, he says, you know, uh, he says, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger, right? Because you can be angry and upset. And then all of a sudden, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, he says, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. And he says, one of those is unforgiveness. So say you're angry and also Satan can get a foothold. There's a ton of people angry on the streets that are that are now considered mental patients because they've opened themselves up to demonic forces. So Satan whispers in their hearts that says, do not. Then when he says, be angry and sin, he says, don't give a foothold to the devil. So Satan can whisper into your heart. He certainly did it with Judas and he entered into his life. He certainly did it with Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. It says that Satan put it in their hearts to lie. So Satan uses false doctrines and he uses temptation to do evil. So we must stand in Jesus against all of that. Amen. And guys, before we get into the next question, I thought it would be, um, I guess, appropriate because... Uh, the next question we have is from someone from New York named Tabitha, and both of her sons actually attended our youth retreat on the East Coast last year. Well, two of her sons, two or three sons, uh, attended the, our youth retreat on the East Coast last year, and we actually just finished the video for the upcoming one. We're actually doing this on the West Coast in July, the 17th to the 20th. So we wanted to play this uh, for you guys. This is a little video, we a promo we've made uh, to kind of advertise. And if you know someone between the ages of 14 and 19, we'd love to get them signed up. I'll put it in the chat and we'll also put it in the description how to sign up if you know anyone that age. So check this out. Hey there guys, this is Chad from Good Fight Ministries and I am so excited to announce that after last year when our first annual youth retreat just went amazing out in Pennsylvania that we are so excited to bring back for the second annual youth retreat in Lake Tahoe, California. That's right. We're bringing it back to the West Coast for this year, and we are so excited to have you guys there for our steadfast and immovable youth retreat. We want to make sure that those young people that are at this conference are steadfast and immovable as they get older and move on to their next stage in life. With so many people deconstructing from their faith once they get off in college, we want to do our best to hopefully fortify their faith, bring them up, and do so in a way that brings glory to God. So come on down on July 17th to the 20th. Sign your kids up. We're so excited to be there in Lake Tahoe as we're going to be doing some worship, obviously some games, some scripture memorization, and a number of teachings from different leaders here from Good Fight Ministries. The cost of the camp is going to be $385 per person. And one of the cool things we did last year was we gave an opportunity for anyone that could to sponsor campers. And we had multiple campers who were not going to be able to go that simply because somebody said, hey, I may not have somebody this age, but I know that it will mean a lot for someone to go that they were sponsored and able to go. So if you can sponsor, that would be fantastic as well. We'll have a link to sign up for the camp or you can sign someone else up as well. We are so excited and we can't wait for the steadfast, immovable youth retreat in Tahoe, California. God bless you guys.
Well, Joe, I don't want to give too much commentary on that. Hopefully that gave them enough. I'm sure for some people, they're like, why are you showing a thing about youth retreats on a review of a horror film? But it was supposed to be from a Christian perspective. And also for you guys, one of the things we want to do is make sure we push people into the right direction. And so we want them to be steadfast and immovable no matter what is coming their way. So, Joe, let me finish the question. This is from Tabitha, our friend out there in New York. And she says... <clears throat> Excuse me, and please uh, forgive me. I have been really under the weather. I'm just barely out of bed to do this show. You're so doing great, brother. Praise God. Um, but uh, yeah, so if you hear me getting a cough drop out or hearing a cough, uh, please forgive us. It is live, so you guys will get to get get all that in there. So we have, as I said, we have about now we have about 11 minutes left. All right, Joe. So have to be um, quick. Yeah, to be quick. All right, from Tabitha she said, "My son Alex, who is 11." had this question. When it speaks of Gabriel fighting against the prince of Persia, is there anything in the Bible that explains what that actually looks like? Is it a physical fighting between an angel and a demon or angels standing with godly people against people being influenced by demons? She then quotes Daniel chapter 10, 12 through 21. So Joe, I bet I guess the best way to ask Which is, is the prince of Persia at war with Michael, right? <laughs> so what's going on there? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a, that's a really, really good question uh, from your son, Tabitha. And... Uh, when he says, is it physical? So he's wondering if it's somehow maybe some kind of hand-to-hand kind of combat uh, that's going on. Uh, and while the scriptures don't give us specifics, keep in mind these demonic entities are non-corporeal beings. They're, they're non-physical beings, and they're in the spiritual realm. But that doesn't mean that the, spirit, the spiritual realm, just as this realm for us is very real and tangible, their realm for them is very real and tangible. So sometimes we think, oh, it's all wispy and, and, and see, you know, translucent and everything. I don't believe that's the truth at all. In fact, when the rich man and Lazarus, uh, one goes to Hades, uh, one to east and one to west Hades, if you will, one side, one goes to the other. Uh, the rich man is saying, asking Lazarus, to, you know, that Abraham give him permission, Lazarus, to stick his finger in water and, 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 and dip it on my tongue so I can, because I'm in torment in this flame. And so there's still this idea of, of, of body parts in a in a spiritual way, which is kind of interesting. Uh, so, uh, and I know Jesus is communicating that to, for our, our understanding, but it is kind of interesting. So, I do believe when when the Prince of Persia is at war with Archangel Michael, I do believe there is some kind of combat going on. That uh, and man, it would be a trip if we get to see that sometime. The Lord says, "Okay, this is what was going on there," but we don't have a specific scripture other than that I could think of that actually shows something taking place as far as looking like the, and it's in Revelation 12 so I'll just cut the chase because we got to get to the next question but in Revelation chapter 12 uh, Satan is at war with uh, uh, Michael the archangel and it says Michael cast Satan down threw him down his his angels down to the earth so somehow he cast him down uh, and is that, does that mean that uh, and, and does it mean he uses his arms and he takes his body and he throws Satan down uh, perhaps it doesn't say yay or nay but it it says he throws them down, so that's the kind of picture I get in my mind. What that specifically looks like, we're not told, uh, but he is def- definitely throwing him down with force. Now, is he using forces that come out of his hand, you know, his his hands or what have you, or or you know, his wings or what have you? We don't know uh, specifically what that looks like, but I get the idea of, of some kind of hand to hand combat. But it's kind of speculative. But we do see Satan throwing him down to the earth, so we see something that's very much like what happened in our physical world, but in the spiritual world. Amen. It kind of reminds me of the question of the Mount of Transfiguration on how Peter, James, John and Andrew might have known 
their that names. they were Elijah and Moses. Yeah. You know, was he holding the Ten Commandments and they yeah. were broken or something? Name tags, you know. They, uh, you know, maybe <laughs> Elijah was really fast. Not sure, but nonetheless, they were definitely enlightened to know. Uh, but I guess you get a bonus question there. But uh, but Joe, this next one is from Shanna Jones. And what Shanna from our Patreon page, by the way, this is from patreon.com slash goodfight. Those who are some of our patrons ask these questions. And what Shanna would like to know is, quote, I would like to know more about the demons slash spirits and their origins concerning homosexuality. It's running so rampant since the beginning of time. So I, I guess what I'm surmising, and, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, uh, when, and you can message us later about this, but... I think what she's asking there is maybe the relationship between demonic entities and then maybe homosexuality, especially as we see it kind of played out in our culture today. And even really, I mean, we're talking, sure, she's thinking beginning of time, Sodom and Gomorrah and so forth. But yeah, uh, that's a great question. I personally believe that Satan hates us with a passion. He hates the idea that we could be redeemed. It says that Jesus died for human beings. You know, humans taste of death for everyone. Hebrews 2 says, but he did not die for angels there. And Satan sinned with a high hand against the Lord, full glory seen in heaven, and rebelled, and he has no chance at redemption. And he hates the idea and the fact that we can get redeemed. He's tried to stop Jesus from coming from the very beginning. And he hates humanity, but he hates the fact that God's Son has a bride and that we are the bride of Christ and that we will be with Christ forever. So therefore, he hates distinctions between male and female. He hates the idea of even human marriage because the Bible says that a Christian husband is to lay his life down for his wife as Christ did for his church and that we are living illustrations. Marriage is a living illustration of the meg, what the Bible calls the mega mysterion, the great mystery of we, we we're a depiction of God's eternal plan with his eternal bride. And Satan tried to destroy that, but God had this whole plan from the very beginning that guess what? What you mean for evil, I'm going to turn for good. I'm going to become a man. God's going to become a man. Give my life for them, and I'm going to redeem my bride. And they're going to be a people that love me because I love them. They're going to see who I really am in all my justice and all my mercy and all my love. Satan hates that, so he strikes at the heart of marriage. Hence, you have homosexuality. Uh, if you look at the Baphomet, uh, the, the goat-headed god with women's breasts and male genitalia, uh, that's the, the depiction of Satan by Eliphaz Levi, a witch, and it was picked up by Aleister Crowley and is used universally by many Satanists to this day. Uh, it's an androgynous creature. So Satan wants to destroy. It, it, uh, I don't know, sister, if you'd seen my message last, uh, well, we're live, so I can say last, yeah, you can say it. I can online, say last can Sunday. Say Sometimes I'll say last, and they'll be like, wait, the time's off. You know, <laughs> this is live. Last Sunday, uh, if you haven't seen that, I, I, I encourage the entire audience, you'll be blown away. I play a bunch of video clips, and we get to the root of the whole transgender movement and what's going on, the whole wokeism, which really began in the Garden of Eden. Eve was the first one that was woke there in Genesis 3, 5. Her eyes were opened, right? So we encourage you guys, uh, which is really blindness, right? To, I encourage you to check that out. We play clip after clip after clip by Satanists and others sh and, and showing that their plan has always been to get our children and homosexuality is just part of that and it's about attacking God's plan with his eternal bride and attacking the plan of redemption. Great question. No, amen. And Joe, we got, I'm going to give you five minutes each on these two. Okay. On the two more questions, okay? One has to do with the millennial reign. This is from Chris. This is from our Patreon page and Chris asked the question, also, what is uh, what? Are, what are your thoughts on demonic activity during the millennial reign of Christ while Satan is bound? What are your thoughts? In no, that's a great question because in and and Chris is alluding to the and he obviously knows that uh, Satan is bound during that thousand years 
uh, but it doesn't say much about uh, in Revelation 19. And it says we see Christ coming back. And we see the beast is taken with him, the false prophet. They're thrown alive into the lake of fire. Uh, a thousand years later, uh, Satan's bound then for a thousand years during that millennial period. He's let loose for a short time. Uh, and then he's cast into the same place in verse 10 where the beast, the false prophet are. By the way, they're still there being tormented, right? Even after a thousand years, showing that it's not just it's not annihilation. Uh, but during that thousand years, Satan is is bound uh, before he's totally thrown in the lake of fire. And he's bound for a thousand years. So the question came up. That's a good question. Uh, that just came up in the Patreon page? Yep. That's a really good question because some people don't even think about what happens to the demons there. Uh, but it's interesting. In chapter 25 and 26, we have what's called in Isaiah the mini-apocalypse. And you see the Lord will return. And it says that when he returns, it talks about the Lord coming, right? And uh, the second coming of Christ, right? And it says all the tears will be wiped. Uh, there'll be no more death, I'm sorry. And that's quoted by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 regarding the last trumpet. Mm -hmm. It's all tied into Christ's second coming. And it says he'll judge the host of heaven. So he's not going to just judge Satan at that point. But during the millennial period, I don't believe it's just Satan that is bound. But I also believe if you look at when Babylon is judged at the end of the tribulation period, close to the very end of the tribulation period, it says uh, that it becomes a haunt of demons. It's like a cage of, uh, 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 it's, it's just like a desolate area. And now it's, as, uh, and, and it, uses, it talks about it being a prison for demons in chapter 18 of uh, the book of Revelation. So I believe that Satan will be incarcerated for a thousand years, that the demonic host will also be incarcerated for that thousand years. Uh, Satan's let loose for a short time. The implication is that perhaps his demons are at that time as well. We don't know because the scripture is silent on there. And I don't I like to speak where the scriptures speak and not speak where the scriptures don't speak. But So that would be speculative. But we do know that according to chapter 25, verse 41 of the Gospel of Matthew, that uh, the devil that, that hell was created for the devil and his angels. And uh, if they're all thrown in there together with Satan in the lake of fire at that time, that would make sense. Uh, because it could be that Babylon is a temporary cage, even as the Abuso... The abyss in Revelation chapter 20 is a temporary place of incarceration for Satan before he's thrown to the lake of fire, along with the, perhaps the demons at that time. Scriptures don't say much more than what I've just given you on that, so a little bit it's going it's to be speculative as far as when exactly what happens, but they are judged when Christ comes back, and Babylon is somehow a prison for the demonic host at least for a thousand years before they go to the lake of fire. Praise the Lord. That's uh, that's awesome. It's a really good question there. Three minutes, too. We did it three. And Joe, we got... This is going to be our last one, but I do think it's really important. We've talked a lot about spiritual warfare because we have a situation where movies come out regarding uh, a demon and so forth, given it from a Christian perspective, uh, not something we're endorsing because of the Glenn Beck stuff. I'm just giving a summary. Some people just coming into the chat. I'm seeing that we're not giving an endorsement of the film, but there were a lot of good things as well that did have some true realities that were expressed in the movie. But because of the Glenn Beck bookends and because of some things about infant baptism and, and Catholic priests and so forth. We can't give a, an endorsement for the film. But, Joe, this last one, I guess it's the most important because it's one thing to, to sit here and say, oh, all these things are bad and, and demons are doing this and all this stuff, but to get an answer about what to do about it. And Jason Weaver asked this question from our Patreon page. Jason Weaver asked, knowing the raging spiritual battle, can you provide guidance to believers on the priority of their focus, practical, effectual application of the full armor of God and the sword. Wow, so I've got like four or five minutes to do that? Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, let me say this, though, too. There's a number of questions that Chad had from you folks regarding demons and dealing with them and, and their origins and things like that that we didn't have a chance to get to. So, Chad, I think it's That'll great. That'll be our next live. 
Okay, next slide. I was going to say, we all want to hit you guys up because in I, three I, weeks, I, we're going to be early said on like next 22, slide. Now, yeah. Then there's new ones that come in. So I'm like, so praise God, that'll be great. Uh, that, that's a great question. And, and this is where, why we stay in the word, you know? Uh, if, you know, we, we have Bible studies midweek here at Blessed Hope. We have Sunday services. This coming Wednesday, I'm starting starting at 1 Timothy chapter 4. We just ended 1 Timothy chapter 3. And the very first verse is the scripture that I talked about last time. There'll be doctors of demons. So I actually have a uh, message on dealing with demonic entities in that message uh, first, or this coming Wednesday, Lord willing. Uh, but I'll say this uh, for the sake of the few minutes we have left, four minutes or so. Uh, man, it's imperative that we put on the full armor of God, right? And you have that in Ephesians chapter 6. And and knowing what that armor is, a lot of people, I read people say, I picture putting the helmet on. I picture, no, you don't picture doing things. You actually do what the scriptures say. These pieces of armor are, are euphemism, or, or I should say metaphors, pictures of, of spiritual realities that we are supposed to actually uh, enact practically in our Christian life. So I, I love that question because when he says to be strong in the Lord, the power of his might, and put on the full armor of God so you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Then he says we don't wrestle against these fle- the flesh and blood, but you know the scripture I just quoted earlier, rules of darkness of this world. Then in verse uh, 13, he says, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. In other words, if you're not putting the armor of God on, you're not going to be able to stand up under Satan's, the satanic forces when you face the evil day. And the evil day could be any day because just before that, Paul says the days are evil, right? Uh, the scriptures also speak of a coming evil day, and he uses a definite article there, meaning the evil day. There's going to be a very specific evil day, which is the tribulation period, which Christians need to be ready for. And I can prove, I believe, biblically from Paul's writings elsewhere, comparative to the evil day there, that he's talking about the tribulation period. A lot of people don't even understand that. We're supposed to be getting prepared right now for the onslaught that Satan brings against us, which could also be a very special evil day when Jesus faced the, uh, the the hour of darkness when he was in the Ark of Gethsemane and so forth. So there's every day's evil. There's special evil days that, man, we've got to be ready for. And there's the ultimate evil day when we face the tribulation period if it happens in our lifetimes. So how do we do that practically? He says to take up, first thing he mentions, he has he says to be girded with the belt of truth. So we need to stand in God's truth. We need to know God's word. We need to be, be, be meditating day and night on God's word because Satan is the father of lies. And then he goes on to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. And, and what is the breastplate of righteousness? A lot of commentaries say a lot of different things, but I think I know because in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, Paul talks about putting on the breastplate of righteousness too. And he says, which is faith and love. How is faith and love com- com- compared to in righteousness in Ephesians 5 because we're made righteous through faith in Christ. Amen. So we put our faith in Christ and therefore we're set apart by the blood of Christ. We're cleansed. We're protected from Satan. We overcome him by the blood of the Lamb for Revelation 12, 11. The first thing he mentions, blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, we love not our lives unto death. But the next thing he mentions there in Ephesians uh, when he says the breastplate of righteousness, he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, he says as a breastplate, right, faith, and he says love. Love is practical righteousness. If you love me, you obey my commandments. Love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. Amen. Love your brethren fervently from the heart. Then you'll, you'll walk righteously and the enemy can't get a foothold. Then he talks about having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means, guess what? You have your gospel shoes on. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, man. That you're about Jesus. You're about spreading the good news. You're about spreading the gospel. Uh, and one, one, a lot of commentators believe he's speaking defensively that you defend the gospel. And I, and I agree with that. I think that's great. But I don't believe it's just that. It's not an either or. It's also advancing the gospel and preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel as an offensive weapon because the gospel is how we defeat the enemy in people's lives because the gospel is the power of God and salvation. Everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Greek. And man, I got a minute and a half, two minutes left, so I'm going to have to move. I wish I could spend more time on this. Sometime we'll do a whole show on the, on the armor of God. But then he goes on to talk about 
you know, uh, uh, he talks about the breastplate of righteousness, the feet shod, which talked about the belt already. Then he talks about taking the shield of faith with which you may be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You put faith in the Lord. You put faith in his promises. You trust in him. You walk according to faith and not by sight. And by walking by faith and putting your trust in him and trusting uh, the name of Jesus Christ and his precious blood, we're able to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. No matter what he brings our way, if our faith is in Christ, we know that we can persevere because he's going to give us strength. And, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. And it's important that we get that. And then he says to take the helmet of salvation. People say, well, what's the helmet of salvation? You know what the helmet of salvation is? That's in First Thessalonians. We get a little more on that too in First Thessalonians 5.8. He says, and taken as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So the hope of our salvation is not only the salvation we have now, but the future hope that Jesus is coming back because that's the context in First Thessalonians chapter 5 where it talks about Christ coming and that if we have the hope of our final salvation, he that endures to the end will be saved. And guess what? When the world is going downhill quick and Jesus says the hearts of many will fail them for fear of things coming to the earth, Jesus said for us to lift up our head for our heads for our redemption draws nigh and he's right at the door. Keep looking and when you see the things going down, don't get discouraged. Look up. Jesus is coming soon. Praise God. And then he mentions taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I refer to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 10 there, 1 through 11, where the father lies, Satan brings all these lies, even misquoting Scripture, and Jesus three times whips out the, the sword of the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit empowers us. Say, God, use me. Be empowered by Him. It's God's armor, right? We just put on His armor, and then we're able to defeat the enemy with with the, the uh, with the sword of the Spirit. By Jesus said three times, it is written, <coughs> right? And I give you the very last one, and I'll end with this one. And then I'm going to let Chad say goodbye because I'm, I'm, I've been talking too much right here. But Ephesians chapter 5, he goes on to say in verse 18, and I believe this is the seventh piece of armor. He says to pray always in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication for all the saints. And to this end, he says, uh, be on the alert with all perseverance, right? Making intercession for all the saints. So we need to be vigilant. We need to be aware that Satan is at work in various ways to try to, to destroy you. But guess what? There's, if if God is for us, who could be against us? We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. The greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Press on in Jesus. We love you guys. Amen, guys. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this special uh, this special live edition. And we're going to be doing our live instead of the last week of the month, next month. We're going to be doing it on the third to last week because we have a trip planned. But we will do it on uh, fallen angels and demons and stuff. Praise God. So we'll be excited to show that uh, to you guys. But thank you guys for joining us. Also, as Joe mentioned, you can go to Blessed Hope Chapel, the see-me version. Blessed Hope Chapel, see-me. There are some Texas ones as well online. But you can go to those ones to see any of the sermon series that he's been working on. But thank you guys, and God bless you guys. You've been listening to The Good Fight Radio Show with pastor and author Joe Schimmel and host Chad Davidson discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how they relate to family, culture, and the church. To learn more about Good Fight Ministries, visit us online at goodfight.org. Join our growing social media family and consider partnering with us at patreon.com slash goodfight.